Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. And if this is your first time listening or you just recently started putting us in your ears, thank you very much. You can send us uh, old school messages on email, thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com or you can get in touch with us at social media at IT Women's Podcast. If there's anything you want to tell us about this episode or anything you'd like us to cover in the future, we love hearing from you. Now, we're nearly at the end of 2023. A lot has happened and this is our annual review of the year episode. So we are looking back at the good, the bad and the ugly of 2023. And of course, the stories that particularly affected women in Ireland and elsewhere. As I said, a lot happened and we won't get to all of those happenings. But here are a few snippets of 2023 to give you an idea. The United Nations says women and children have suffered the most in Israel's relentless bombardment. Combined, they make up nearly 70% of the dead. Women across Iceland have staged a 24-hour strike demanding gender equality. Now, it disrupted much of society, everything from schools to banks. To- Are you ready for it? We're ready for okay. it. The 2023 Time Person of the Year is Taylor Swift. Okay, yeah. Taylor Swift and... Today, 33-year-old Josef Pushka was found guilty of murder after 13 days of evidence and more than 60 witnesses. Irish singer Sinead O'Connor has died. Her biggest hit was Nothing Compares to You and nothing much compared to that fabulous song. There were emotional scenes as the Irish team arrived at Sydney Airport today on the eve of their historic match against Australia. Vera's green Yes, that was certainly a very busy and eventful year. And around the table to discuss all of this, or at least some of it anyway, is Sunday Times columnist and broadcaster Alison O'Connor and Renewth University academic and best-selling author of her brilliant memoir, Poor, Katrina O'Sullivan. We began this episode with a little personal appraisal of the year that was 2023. So Alison, starting with you, you got a new job, which is always an interesting thing. I did. It's the same. I'm doing the same thing, but for a different publication. And I'm working now for the Sunday Times. And I suppose it's interesting at my age at 53, there was a big temptation to stay. I had worked for many years very happily in the Irish Examiner doing a column. Um, and in the beginning kind of thought, well, why would I? But then I thought, well, why wouldn't I? And maybe I need to and give myself a kick up the bum. And I'm very glad that I did. Excellent. Um, so, so it's working yeah, out well? It's work, it certainly is working out well for me, no complaints. So a good yeah. 2023, you would good say? 20, in that work-wise, absolutely good 2023. And that change generally, I think, is good. If you have any temptation at all, I think, to change, uh, it's always worth sitting back and looking at that and generally maybe going for it. Okay, well, that's good wisdom to start off this review of the year. And Katrina O'Sullivan, big year for you, published your first novel, which won two awards. Mm -hmm. And it's just been really busy for you in every way and in a great way. Yeah, so, yeah, my uh, memoir was published 29 weeks ago. Um, It's been in the charts. It's number one again this week in the nonfiction charts. Really, really weird, but amazing. Like, it's just been a fantastic year. I was so nervous at the start of the year on how my story would be seen or perceived and it's just been a lovely, a lovely experience. Very busy. I'm really tired and ready for a break. But yeah, it's been fantastic. Brilliant. So exciting. Yeah, well, we had you on the podcast talking about it and you've. I just think I've seen you on so many different uh, media outlets now and you seem to be thriving in it and I think your message is so important and it's really getting an audience, which is wonderful. So everyone read Poor by Katrina Sullivan. Yeah, can I just interject for a moment to say that it is a magnificent book, but the number of times during the year that other women have said to me, have you read Katrina Sullivan's (laughs) book or did you hear Katrina Sullivan on X, Y or Z? 
Um, so it's really broken through. But I think that's because of what you had, what you wrote and what you have to say. You know, it yeah. really uh, resonates with people. I think that's been the nicest piece of it is yeah. the is the private conversations with women, yeah. the messages from women just and all different types of women as well. Just kind of some just saying I never thought of things that way or thank you for being a voice or just your honesty, even yeah. people who can't relate, just the yeah. openness. So and I don't know how to be anything different than actually who I am. So it's like being congratulated for being the person <laughs> that you are, which is really nice. Um yeah so it's uh, been but a, I think that I think that diminishes it slightly in yeah. that if you're going Going all out literally and in public and telling your story in such an honest way, mm. um, you know, there's there's real courage in that. You yeah. know, um, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't diminish that too much now. I have uh, to say, yeah. I, it's funny though because. And I love that, you know, I'm not saying it's not courageous, but you don't live in that feeling. You don't feel courageous. Like, it's not something where I would wake up and go, I'm courageous today. It's just a choice I made. Like, when I was asked to write my memoir, I was really, really sure that I needed to be totally honest or else not do it. Mm. Because poverty is stark and the experiences of women in poverty is really stark and harsh. And so... If that's courageous, it you know, it, it, thank you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel it, though, but I, I really do understand why people say that. Brilliant. Well, uh, for myself, 2023, I got to uh, spend some time in a couple of really interesting, lovely places. One of was West Cork, Alison, which you know very well, uh, where I got to um, just hang out in the most stunning countryside. And that very special week of amazing weather, which was incredible. The only, the only well, no, the, the month well, of June was but nice. But it was the but best the week, so yeah. I was very lucky. And also, uh, I got to go for work to Las Vegas to see mm. you two in the sphere which was just incredible so uh, and then I went to San Francisco after that so I had an amazing kind of you know a time of feeling really privileged and lucky for the job that I do imagine being sent over there to to write about such a great event and to see a band I absolutely love and I've admired for so long so yeah a couple of nice moments for me in the year as well and, I think uh, though like you, you're you always contribute to my year, Roisin, like with the podcast and the way you advocate for women and showcase stories. Like there's books I've read because of this podcast and there's stories that I probably wouldn't have thought about in much detail. So, you know, thank you so much for that because it means a lot. That's really nice. That gives me a lovely warm feeling in my Can I, it's a brief point that (laughs) I was making. Listeners can't see, but uh, um, Katrina's wearing this fabulous... um, (laughs) I'll try to how, how would I glittery jacket? I knew I wasn't doing it justice. <laughs> but I find it very interesting in the shops at the moment, right? I mean, you could dress yourself, couldn't you, from head to toe at the moment in Demonte sequins <laughs> glitter. Yeah. I'd say you can get socks, you know, it's hair accessories. <laughs> yes. And isn't it interesting? I think it's coming out of COVID. I mean, there's so much awfulness going on at the world, some of which we will go on to talk about, I'm sure. Mm. But that I think even fashion historians will look back and find it really interesting to see that you couldn't, I mean, you walk into any shop anywhere and I'd say you could be decked out and sequenced from your knickers out <laughs> yes. uh, without having to har- barely turn around. And it, it cheers me up. I have to say I've indulged. Brilliant. Well, you did mention awfulness and I'm yeah. afraid we do have to go back from the sequins and glitter to, to I suppose, the, the biggest story of the year, really, in a way, which is um, the Israel-Palestine conflict. And Alison, I'm going to come to you to talk about that. We've spoken briefly on the podcast about how any conflict situation affects women and children in a sort of a huge way, whether it's from the fact that women are pregnant and trying to go to that hygiene issues, all of that kind of thing. Um, so what are your thoughts about um it's it's well, a big question, obviously, and it's absolutely. And I think that it's all, this almost sounds like a more selfish way to look at it, but I, I, in terms of even our own psychology and all the stuff that's going on in the world at the moment, uh, and trying to, to cope with that, that if you like, when Russia invaded Ukraine, that was pretty clear cut. We knew where we stood, and then with what happened um, with Hamas um, carrying out those appalling raids in Israel. Um, and that, and what has happened since with the bombing? It's it's all so conflicting. You're trying to hold these various thoughts in your head, and uh, all the while you see what's going on in Gaza. Um, the I think that it, it's some sort of re- records being broken in terms of the number of children and babies. Those premature babies who had to be uh, taken out of their incub- incubators and transferred, and it seems to be the absolute, I mean, it, it just, it seems as if it couldn't be any more awful. And even as I say that, then I'm conscious that there are these horrendous wars going on in Africa. Uh, I saw a 
tweet from Sally Hayden, um, the journalist saying not to forget all of that while you're talking about these other wars. Um, and it's it's so much to try and get your head around. And I personally feel with my hat on, I suppose, covering politics, that Ireland has done well, that our um, our government has done well in pushing forward in terms of trying to say that, you know, really this is too much and that Israel needs to pull back and doing that at an EU level. And I just, it bends my head that other EU leaders, and I know what we clearly cannot forget what happened with the Holocaust and how important Israel is to Jewish people. But that other EU leaders can see what is going on on a daily basis uh, and not look for a stronger language. We're only talking about language, stronger language, um, you know, so that they, the, that they will that the Israelis will pull back. It's, yeah, it really, I have to say, it has affected me and I'm sure so many other people on a very visceral level on a, on a daily basis. I think that's definitely the case and why we sort of are starting with that because it's just permeated everything and it's it has affected people in a very deep way. And Sally's right, there are many other things yeah. going on, but some, for whatever reason. I suppose no more than the Ukraine war, it was on the edge of Europe and Israel isn't that far away either. Um, and I suppose we have always traditionally sided with the with the with the Gazans, um, and I think that we, I don't know. I, I and I also suppose when you think we are on not in mainland Europe and what went on during World War Two um, with Jewish people and with the Holocaust, I suppose it's purely by dint of geography. And that we were neutral. Now, there's a whole other story I know there in terms of even how we we, uh, did not allow more Jewish people to come here and seek refuge and did not behave very well at all. But that I think if you're you're a Central European or a Central European government, maybe you're feeling it differently. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, closer to home because we are going through the year and more recently, actually, I wanted to mention the riots um, on the 23rd of November and that terrible, terrible day when that young girl who's still in ICU in Temple Street um, was uh, stabbed and what happened in our city um, after that, Katrina, I mean, it was was just the most bizarre and horrible um, yeah. day in the aftermath as well. I think it's um, it's been really hard actually to talk about this publicly because it it really polarises people like what happened on that night in terms of, you know, we've heard words like scumbag and in my, you know, my mammy's group, like knacker has been used to describe the lads and girls who were involved in in the behaviour and in the riots. It was just really terrifying. Like what I find really sad is just how unsafe ethnic minorities must feel right now in Ireland and how welcoming we are as a, as a nation. You know, just myself, I haven't moved here just because my skin's not brown. It, it doesn't mean that I haven't felt the difference. And just also, there's so much welcome here in Ireland. And that, that just makes me feel really sad, just in general, that people just don't feel safe, especially vulnerable people who may have, le- have fled war, who may have fled places where they really were struggling to stay alive. So that, that I hold that thought in my head. But then on the other side, I'm really terrified about what's happening, about the capacity. I know we talk about far-right groups. Like, from a person who comes from a working class or an underclass background like we don't you don't really understand what that means but the potential for for people who feel underserved in society to be galvanized is there and i think as a society we need to be really careful about how we how we talk about this issue and the way we approach this challenge that we're being we're being faced i think potentially we're talking about conor mcgregor running for president and lots of people are just suggesting that that's not going to happen but like then people are not on my my social media where there's thousands of people who are for that there are thousands of people who come from the community that I lived in that I worked in who are absolutely delighted at that idea I'm not personalizing it with him but what he stands for and the way he talks about certain things I would be terrified that we would actually move in a direction that we don't want to go so I do think we need to be really careful in how we talk about people who get involved in um, the riots and and now how we try to educate groups around I suppose migration firstly yeah. the facts the, the truth facts. because a lot of misinformation goes around Alison you just want to say something yeah because I think I mean I, I, I agree with everything that Katrina's just said I mean if you think Conor McGregor has something like 10 million followers on Twitter mm. um, and yes that sentence could we have imagined a month ago 
that sentence and Conor McGregor's mentioning running for president. Yeah. It's it's quite mind-bending. And when you consider that last week there was a, a, a motion in the doll by the Rural Independent Group um, on immigration, which was dressed up as, you know, in lots of other things, but really was a dog whistle debate to my mind. Uh, and But I'm not saying that there shouldn't be, because there are people all over Ireland, particularly, I think, in, in a way, in it's, city, it's different in the city and the country. In small places in the country um, where suddenly there have been large numbers of people who have come or the local hotel is no longer operating as a local hotel or even community halls and that have been taken over. And these are people who would not consider themselves racist but are afraid to speak out loud about it but who need reassurance or who maybe can't get an appointment with their local GP or the dentist or school places or whatever. So, but it's, it's, I realise that it's much easier to say we need to have a responsible debate on this than to have one. Yeah. Um, because it's also, yeah. as a government, do you decide, well, we're going to go for an integrated approach. It's going to be multicultural. I don't think the government has come anywhere near that. So far, it's been sort of, let's play nicely here. And I think we saw with the riots and all of that, that it's... Um, that isn't cutting it anymore, yeah. you know? Katrina, one of the stories that you wanted to talk about is very particular to women and it's about the publicly funded IVF launch, which happened in September. Yeah. Tell us about that and why you wanted to talk about it. I think, <laughs> OK, I, I was really excited to hear, like I've I've spent my life trying to not get pregnant. I've been very lucky <laughs> and, and not being successful at it, <laughs> obviously having a child at 16. Um, but like I, so I personally have never had a struggle with um, getting pregnant or had to worry about it. It was always the opposite. And the majority of women, I think it is the opposite of that. We're, we spend a lifetime worrying about it and um, protecting ourselves from children. But there are like, so when I heard the government were going to fund IVF, I was so delighted. I thought, you know, we're getting free contraception and then the IVF. And then to see the restrictions that were put in place around it, specifically relating to age and specifically relating to weight, really got my goats. Now, I mean, there is evidence to suggest, so So the, the restrictions relate to women who are 40 and 364 days. They, they, they Anyone over that cannot... Um, avail of of the option and also then if your BMI is over 30 which obviously um, is to do there is evidence to suggest if your BMI is higher it's harder for IVF to work but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't provide these services to women and it really to me just pointed to the lack of understanding around I suppose weight BMI health and the conversation that was publicly had about that afterwards just really made me feel sad about how women, their bodies are talked about, are conditioned by society. There was no conversation about smoking, about alcohol use, about drug use. There's no actual restrictions put in place or actually talked about around them things. But it was just, if you're a bit, a, a bit of a bigger woman and if you're over 40 then you're not entitled. So like the hope that this gave in one hand was really taken away. The other the other issue I have with it is around like same-sex couples or single women, they're also not entitled to access. So it really like publicly said, we we value skinny, married, <laughs> under 40 couples. Now under 40 women and the man can be up to 59. Mm. And and that also has a problem attached to it because there's lots of research that shows that men, older men who have children, the impact of the child and in longer life and an aged father has consequences, but no one is being restricted around that. There's no conversation. So it really just suggested to me, you know, that we are still being policed in some ways. The, yeah, and, and just, I say, Katrina, I, I presume, I just to give the from the medical side of it, that there's very good reasons that these things, these restrictions are put in, that they're they're, they're well researched and founded. I, I'd imagine that it's not a they're not they don't feel like they're policing or trying to be sexist or whatever. But I mean, Katrina's points are very valid, especially the aged father thing. I, I really think yeah. is interesting. Oh, I mean, it, like as Katrina explains it, there you can see give, giving with one hand and taking yeah. taking with the other. Uh, I had more than a passing knowledge of IVF clinics many, many years ago, and it struck me so much then and in the intervening years since that assisted reproduction is is and I think largely remains by bar, bar these changes in the milieu of the middle classes. Yeah. I mean, it is so expensive. Um, 
And it's, there's a whole other thing about people. One of the hardest, there's studies been done that the hard, one of the hardest things is stopping, uh, you know, even if you, so that in a way people who have the money and they can end up spending tens of t- thousands. Um, I think that politically, um, this has been signalled for a long time. They've finally done it. I imagine some of those restrictions are simply to do with the limiting budget. Yeah. And yeah, that you'd hope that it would. Mm. Um, uh, and yet a thing that did strike me during the year, and I mean, at this you can say that this is just something that somebody said, you know, and it, it isn't of any monetary value or no no help practically to people. But watching Mihal Martin at the Finnefall Ardesh as the leader, the leader of Finnefall and the, the, the Thonishta, and he's in his speech, he just mentioned the first ever dedicated services for women's health being in place, including menopause clinics, free contraception. Mm. And he mentioned the state funded IVF. But I just thought to myself. A Finnefall leader standing up and mentioning them women's issues like that yeah. um, is quite something. It's yeah. big. Now you can say, you can kind of, you know, ridicule you that and yeah. say, what odds? But it signals change. And the other thing for me is listening to this consent campaign that's on at the moment. Mm. And I am hearing it um, a lot. Mm. And I, I do, I know people can say, oh, difference but actually I think those things really do make a difference yeah it creates a culture where people kind of in some way I think that maybe it um uh, now I don't know is it like I'm hearing it on on Radio 1 and places like that that boring old farts like me are (laughs) listening to whether it's getting through on other channels but I do think it 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 makes it more generally saying like hey in this society in this society you know, here's how we operate. Yeah, yeah so my son actually yeah. this year, he has to do a consent workshop before he registers for university. So in all the universities now, they have a consent workshop. And we did it together, actually, because I wanted to see. <laughs> but it was really good. So I do agree. Like, yeah. there's definitely progress in in talking about women. Me, You know, me yeah. talking about women's issues. But like, if we look at the stats and the facts of actually who's been able to avail of the IVF, of the IVF offer, it's only 127 families, families in inverted commas, that have actually been able to avail. In light of, there's six centres, and on average there's 400 people being referred every month to the centres. And at the end of, in December 1st, it was only 127 Mm. people who actually met the criteria. Mm. So like, yeah, it's a small, it's a small thing, but it definitely needs to be broadened. And also, People, you know, the, the some people can't afford it at all. So, like, you have to have had one attempt. So, like, even one attempt is really expensive. Right. So, there is definitely a class issue mm-hmm. in terms of access. And I agree, it's brilliant, but we need to do more. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Alison, I want to come back to you about the domestic violence legislation yes. introduced this year by Helen McAtee, a huge issue and given that much more impetus by the murder, of course, of Ashling Murphy, who um, whose murder was was uh, convicted this, this year as well. And I think we were, uh, that was another under the heading of awful, awful things in, uh, in 2023, the uh, just the idea of her family and her boyfriend sitting through that trial and all that, that evidence. Um, but I do think that in, in years to come, you'll hope it'll be a comfort to them that, that Ashling's legacy will, because I think that it really did galvanise the government in Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice, who has had a lot of stick, as we know, uh, over the last few weeks arising out of the riots. So basically, it's the, the legislation passed, I think it was last month, 
Um, in the middle of the year, the government launched a zero tolerance plan and we now are, are going to have a domestic violence agency. And what will be important there is that it will kind of have an overarching view that what we saw in the wake of Ashley Murphy's murder is how everything was between different departments. Nobody was really in charge. So now this is going to be under one roof. Um, I think they're in the process of appointing, appointing a boss. So things like ref, refuges, the services, compliance, all of that. Now, I'm saying all that in a way that like this is going to be fabulous, yeah. but we're still in hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, the other the other thing that was a little bit disappointing was because even before the riots when Helen McEntee was coming under criticism, um, you know, for issues to do with justice and people were saying that she was concentrating on sort of this is internally the softer issues, uh, the hate speech being one of them. But this, this was kind of... Uh, a part of that as well and you did scratch your head and think my God you know because um, as she said herself during the year pointed out that a majority of the homicides have a domestic violence motivation in you know the homicides in Ireland Uh, and that's there are so many statistics we could throw out but that in itself yeah. Um, you know, shows you. And the, the thing I hope with the agency, and I know reporting in terms of domestic violence and, uh, you know, gender-based violence, it's in- increased a lot over recent years, but we're still so much under-reporting. So hopefully having, a, a, you know, a specified place for, for violence for against women will actually help women feel safe in reporting. But just to say, like, we've had 18 violent deaths of women since Ashley Murphy has been killed like this is not going away I know the 25th of November you know it's international day for elimination of violence against women like we shouldn't have to have a day like that and I do think uh, Helen McEntee has done a lot like we've seen so much uh, so much legislation actually come in around protecting women in terms of like you know sharing of videos Mm. Um, so it's been fantastic stalking stalking really really good stuff happening it's just I think um, it's kind of scary that we're, we still have a really high femicide rate in Ireland, one of the highest. And it's something that we don't really talk about a lot. And um, I definitely think we need to do more and be better. What's that quote, Mary Cassidy, the former state pathologist, um, was it she said you need to be much more concerned, not about the man under your bed, but the man in your yeah. bed? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, it, it happening, we do imagine that it's being out on the streets late at night, you know, all of that. Mm. Whereas actually the statistics show it's uh, behind your door. And your another door. good thing that's brought in this year is the domestic violence leave in workplaces as well, which, oh. is a, which is a huge thing. And so that is all very helpful because that's the thing that many women and men, some men in the workplace are going through and yeah. don't have any way to talk about that or get any respite mm. for that. And that is a really good thing, I think, that um, at least has been recognised recognised. Um, let's talk about something that's slightly more joyful which is the women's soccer team Yay. this year. What a great uh, success that was. Marred slightly by the whole Vera Pau yeah. thing afterwards but it's amazing to see the women on that world stage, you know. Just yeah, I mean so I just brilliant. think as to uh, being the mother of two daughters who play sport and who love sport, I just thought it was fabulous, you know, how and I don't you know, I don't think there was quite the appreciation even uh, at the time of how well how well we really did to get as far as we did and how well we have done since. Um, now, I do think that the women's team aren't in any way helped by the fact that the, it's the FAI that is in charge. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, know. that's a whole other, oh, that's a whole other to do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and that the fact that, uh, you know, that it's it's growing the audience. But I just wanted to take a moment. My my two girls play camogie in, in, in Dublin with a small club, a hurling club called Kevin's. And we were at a, a do, what I suppose what you traditionally would have called a dinner dance. All right. Back, okay. uh, back in the day, a few weeks ago. And um, it was only, I sort of didn't realise it until really until we got there, that it was celebrating 30 years of camogie, like the club is over 100 years old. And it was the most marvellous celebration of the girls and the women in the club the whole night long. And um, it also celebrated, we had been the previous Sunday, there had been under 13, under 14, under 16 county finals. I was at two of those. Uh, the rest of the family were at three. I can't see you on the side of a camogie pitch there. <laughs> I'll bring you along. I was there yeah. two consecutive yeah. matches. Not with that lovely blouse on. Yeah, two anyway. consecutive yes. matches. And yeah. um, can you, like, it blew my mind that there were four girls who played in all three games. 
and and one God. girl who scored in all three yeah. games. Yeah. And they're the just ethic. like the work they ethic. They are absolutely phenomenal. And what that team's everything, the, what it does for girls. My daughter also plays rugby, and to see uh, one of them, the, just to see what what girl. Because I didn't really. I know that some. I've asked women this recently. Women, other women uh, have were involved in team sport growing up. I wasn't, and it is such an important thing. And it just leads me on briefly to one of the things that happened. Again, here's the nuts and bolts of it: that the G the IRFU and the FAI in terms of getting 40% gender balance or the getting women. And I mean, I'd like to be able to tell you it all happened very smoothly. Mm. But there was an element of dragged kicking and screaming and that the Minister for Sport, Thomas Byrne, had to uh, say that funding would be cut by 50% if they failed to reach the... And he also went on to say that um, it, that gra- that funding would be pulled if grounds and facilities weren't equally available to male. I mean, you have a lot, still yeah. a lot of that yeah. going on this where is, girls' so, teams are not getting access yeah. to dressing the rooms or to yeah. the good yeah. training. And it's it's kind of... The grass kind of scene is a fantastic yeah. book. The grass yeah, scene is great. a fantastic book. She she talks about this. Yeah. So in Kamogi particularly, yeah. we still have this gendered issue where women's yeah. teams are not given the pitch, the men's yeah. team they're not given the kits. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely still an issue. One of the things that I really hope the women's football team will do will keep girls engaged in sports. So we have this statistic at age thirteen, girls just stop playing. They yeah. they disengage. So I'm really and and to be fair on the FEI and Sport Island, they have funded this program. Recently, to really try to get girls to stay engaged, I just think Katie McCabe is just a hero. Yeah. I mean, she's just she's, a, she's so talented. And what's interesting, last night in our house, we were watching the women's football, yeah. and uh, my husband, who's you know, has played football his whole life, and he would call himself a feminist or a reformed feminist anyway. Reformed. <laughs> and uh, he said to me that the talent this this yeah. is so this is on par, yeah. if not better than the men's yeah. game. And like to hear him say that I is know. such a big thing. My, my husband partner says Johnny watched yeah. every match in the world yeah. not just yeah. the Irish ones and he yeah. kept saying because I'm not really that bothered by football yeah. I watched the women's team yeah, but yeah. he was saying he couldn't get over the, yeah. the yeah, skills and the standards and the, yeah. the watchability of it do you know what I mean because you do get some some men unfortunately saying oh it could be bothered with that or really being horrible about oh, it no, but somebody said to my husband last week now an older man who did say I wouldn't cross the road to watch exactly yeah. I had exactly maybe it's the same taxi can't. driver I met he said exactly the <laughs> yeah. same thing yeah well I mean it's, it is really great and yeah. hopefully it continues that way and we continue supporting yeah. the women yeah. I mean, the numbers are just going up. Tala Stadium is always full yeah. when the girls are playing. And so to see them in the Aviva for the yes, first time yeah, as brilliant. well this year. And if you, I suppose if it makes it a little bit, I mean, as, as that night out that we had, it just like, if it's if it's celebrated, that's a part of yeah. it too. That it isn't mm. just a slog of no. where women aren't changing tracksuits in the, at the airport. Yeah. You know, that it's not all the negative stories, that there is the celebration of it. Yeah, um, and there's sort of celebrities now. I think yeah, that Katie she's a celebrity. She's a big deal. If she's in a room, everyone's looking at her. Katrina, I want to come back to you because you've got you. You've a story you want to talk about, which is a bit more international and a bit more pop cultural. <laughs> Lizzo was sued by her bandmates uh, in 2023. Why did you pick this? Anna? I was just shocked by this whole story. <laughs> First of all, like she she's been accused of fat shaming her her staff, which actually like it is possible for fat people to fat shame other of people. Of course it is. Yeah. So like the idea that she couldn't fat shame them was kind of shocking to me. But also, I just feel like. You know, people were waiting to jump on Lizzo, yeah. not physically, mm-hmm. but like definitely they were waiting. There is a, a sense for me that a woman who's just that little bit different, who's a little bit out there, who's singing songs that are a bit different, whose body shape is definitely not the the celebrated. I just think people were dying to mm. see her fall, and this story gave the perfect opportunity to her for her now. I don't know if she did it or she didn't mm. do it. At the end of the day, like that's for whoever is investigating to say. Yeah. But I just, as an observer, was like, isn't it sad that we really, I just think people wanted to see Lizzo fall. Mm. And that made me think realistically about, I suppose, the stereotype of who we find acceptable and as a woman in the limelight. Mm. So like, you know, someone like Beyonce, I just don't think that would happen if it was Beyonce or somebody else who we really hold up as this woman who's like physically acceptable and behaving in inverted commas. And and <clears> to be fair, Lizzo just doesn't behave. So the other thing mm-hmm. is though, it is possible to fat shame someone if you are fat yourself. Yeah. Like the, the well, there's internalised Fatism. Exactly. You know, See, but I don't, disagree, I don't disagree with anything. I, I agree with all of what you've said there. But I would say that if, and, and as you say, we've no idea of the guilt or innocence mm. of, of anyone. I've, yeah. When I read it at the time, read it, I couldn't make, it was very hard to make up your mind. Yeah. But, um, 
But I would disagree with you on this point, that if Lizzo makes a point of saying, you know, that... Um, body positivity body is her thing. That is her thing to, and fat shaming yeah, yeah. is wrong. I would say in that instance, you mm. have an obligation... Um, to be impeccable, to be almost impeccable on their yeah. standard. higher standard. Yeah. And I, I go the road with you on the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, definitely. That, but I suppose I was listening in my own household, my children, like before. Yeah. And like, so my my lads, they don't like Lizzo. And, and she's great music. Even when she did um, the big show and she was fantastic and we sat around and we watched it. In Glastonbury? The boys were still like, mm, you Is know. it because she's fat? Yeah, it's because okay. she's fat. I know it's oh. because she's fat. Yeah. Now, they wouldn't, but they wouldn't say it. They wouldn't say yeah, it, but, but it's because she's boys. fat. <laughs> I like that. I have heard them say she shouldn't be wearing that, and right. And okay. then when this story came out, there was an actually a like, ah, see, okay. see. Yeah, and yeah. so I suppose I, I'm listening to, kind of, yeah. I suppose yeah. to other people's talk about how it was justified. Yeah. Now, I also worry about that thing about you know you, you can be fallible. Like I talk a lot about class and gender and human rights. But like, oh my God, like I'm not perfect. Like mm. definitely have a thought sometimes. Even around the riots, I had worry about like speaking mm. because I stand for something. It doesn't mean I can't make mistakes in that stand and I I don't know everything or I don't, I, you know, I'm not always going to be politically correct. And I think mm. with Lizzo, with whatever happened yeah. around this issue, like apparently she told the girls that they'd put on too much weight <laughs> and they couldn't do the dance moves that they'd done the choreography for. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if that's fat shaming. Now, forcing them to go to a strip show and use vibrators, that's the other thing that she's accused of, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> I could see yeah. big issues with that. But um, yeah, so I worry about holding people accountable so mm. much to perfection, even if they stand for something, because sometimes there is nuance in everybody. Yeah. And can I bring in Taylor Swift here? Because I always like to bring her in anyway. Oh, yeah. And one of the big things that happened to me in 2023 <laughs> was managing to buy four tickets to a Taylor Swift concert, which is happening. You kept that for a yeah. <laughs> But Taylor Swift was named Taylor person of the year uh, not too long ago and I, I was just listening to you talking about Lizzo I think yes I agree with you especially someone who people are secretly maybe not liking because she's fat and then when they get a reason to, to, to be vocal about it they jump on it but I think Taylor Swift is a good example of who has been through a time of being you know hated on a lot you know when the Kanye West thing happened and then her she had that whole album reputation and she was she sort of has talked about hiding from the world for a year because any woman I think who is being successful and is up there doing an amazing thing, you are guaranteed much more so than a man. Somebody's waiting in the long grass yes. and somebody's going to find a way to pull well, them I mean, down. And you see, and, and, and you even said that like Taylor has the advantage of, the, of, of, of white. White, of, of the, Lizzo, of the supermodel look. So, yeah, yeah. Lizzo, Lizzo is, um, has... Um, a person of colour. A person of yeah, colour, yeah. ethnicity. Yeah. And... Um, and fatness. Yes. yes. And so it's almost like it does set the... And I mean, so much of it is unconscious bias. I mean, mm. Katrina, you're talking about the Dublin riots. I mean, I found myself, because being at home that night and having about four screens in front of me <laughs> um, and being so stressed and thinking, is this really the city that I that I live in? Yeah. And I, I, I turned into a lock em up um, yeah. merchant yeah. for the next couple of days and found, almost found myself about to say things that I would never absolutely you know that I would consider myself um, you know a bleeding heart liberal yeah. so I think we all have to we yeah. all end up having to check ourselves don't we definitely and, you know yeah, it really brought to light the riots with me, actually, how I have, like, two identities that live internally with mm, me. It's like yeah. the, the middle-class part of me that's been experienced so much difference and then where I come from. Like, I, I would say if it was 25 years ago, I might have been in in with the riots. Like, I might mm. have actually been yeah, there. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I had... Yeah. I think you would, Katrina, yeah, reading your would, book. Knowing what yeah, I know about you, because, I think you would have. But it, because I, it was a very... I didn't have the complex... The way... Like, so some things, it's just very simple. was very simple then. This is this. They're taking my housing. They're doing this to us. Yeah. Like, there was not... I didn't have the capability the yeah. to, to consider the nuance of the situation. So I do understand that. Yeah. And in terms of Taylor Swift, I'm delighted that you got your tickets, but they were extortionate. Oh, ridiculous. I know. But I, I, I do I, love her now. I have to oh, say, like, I love Trina, her music. Thank you. I love the her. The thing about Taylor Swift becoming Time Person of the Year as well, like, this is a woman who was done dirty by music executives. They took her yeah. stuff. Someone who she really didn't like was able to buy her music. She's gone and recorded all her albums yeah. again. She has completely yeah. done the finger to those smart, people. Smart, savvy. Smart, savvy. She says herself, she's not cool. She's not hip. She's not going to be one. Of the, she's, she's really hardworking. Yeah. Yeah. She's really creative. She, she makes those things cool. 
cool. I mean, I'm so delighted that <laughs> I have two 14-year-old girls in a world where Taylor Swift is the I'm is not. the person. And yes, I know. I'm, you not could sure what, I'm not sure would those girls be allowed in your house if they weren't Taylor fans. I, I'm actually thinking this is the Taylor Swift show. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, moving like on. <laughs> Something very sad that happened this year that I think we're all anybody and particularly maybe women of a certain age in Ireland were deeply affected by and we were on the podcast is the death of Sinead O'Connor mm. um, and I just wanted to mention it a bit because I think and I was just thinking about Shane, Shane McGowan as well as just recently um, dying too and the funeral was just so incredible down in Nina um, I mean Sinead O'Connor was a woman who it's, it's funny if I have the Gay, Dear Gay book was talking about Gay Byrne recently um, on the books podcast that we did last week and Sinead O'Connor changed I think Ireland or helped Irish women um, to move forward and, and to express ourselves and to be ourselves in a way I think that not very many other Irish women have done and I just still feel her loss so keenly so I thought we might, we might just reflect on it a little bit I mean the fact that she's not here with us anymore and mm. that she was such an incredible person yeah. um, She yeah. really um she was so gifted as a human being, not just as a musician and a singer, but as an activist and someone who was just so brave. When you talk about like me being courageous, I think about her like she was like real courage. And I don't even think that she had any consideration of the harm that that would do to herself in the things that she tackled and the things that she said and just the complete openness yeah. of her. Um, yeah, yeah. I really felt, and like I wasn't, I'm not a big like music fan of Sinead O'Connor. So people talking about songs and I felt really guilty that <laughs> I didn't know them at the end of the day. Because but isn't it, it amazing that she still had an impact on you though, massive, nevertheless? Yeah. I think that's that's the key thing, you see. But, and living outside of Ireland as well for a long time, she would have been a, like an icon mm. in, in the world. Like, mm. so she would have galvanised people around, you know, the, the, the grip of the church and also just her, her bravery in being like so different as a woman. Mm. Like just being different, presenting herself differently. So I remember years ago in the UK, like people used to be like, who is this Irish woman? Mm. You know, because she was so striking, but so brave. And uh, for me, I obviously the music has come after she's died. Mm, yeah. But in terms of her um, impact on strength and courage, and capacity to challenge, like she would have impacted me massively. And I think it's so sad that she's gone, but I, I she does live on in that, in the sense that she did so legacy, much for us. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it is one of those things that it's still hard to believe she's gone, isn't it? You know, um, and I suppose on a slightly different track, one of the things that, I mean, I concur that she's so, so immensely talented and left herself so vulnerable in so many ways, but it also struck me a lot around the time of her death and many times before it, how much the media did it so frequently did a disservice to her that quite clearly um, over decades, and she spoke about this herself, suffered from mental illness mm. and so much advantage was taken of that. And the amount of times even that the reporters would have been in her garden looking for her to come out, you know, baiting her almost. And it, the irony of all the um, all that was written and in, in the aftermath of her death. And I think there is a there there is certainly, I think, a period of reflection that that yeah. uh, that could be done with um, I, subsequently. I, I think, Katrina, what you said as well about the, her lack of consideration for how those um, courageous acts were going to affect her personally. She was in quite extraordinary in that because she saw herself, because having spoken to her a good few times and I feel so lucky to have been in her company and to have been able to tell her to her face what she meant to Irish women, especially around the abortion thing. Because if you think about it, Sinead was the fir first public, yeah. very famous woman to speak. You kind of forget about it, but she did an interview, yeah. I think, with Marion Finucane, where she sat down and talked about the abortion she had last week. I mean, this yeah. is way before we had any of these conversations. And she talked about why she did it and why it was important. But um, she didn't. She was a true artist in that sense because she felt very keenly that to be an artist was to provoke, was to change, was to move and that that was almost the essence of, of her artistry. Because after you know? I read somewhere where, do you remember when she tore up the picture of the Pope yeah. in the States and that afterwards she was back in her dressing room and that whoever was her manager at the time, her agent sort of came along and said like, 
how the hell am I going to yeah. <laughs> repair your career after? Well, and she mm. basically said, kind of said, I don't care. Yeah, she did. You know what I mean? I, I made, I made the point that she, I wanted she to wanted make. She wanted to yeah. do that and then she was happy in the rest of her mm. thing. Obviously, monetary value, all those things, it yeah. materially it affected her in a big yes. way. But as an artist, she was much happier in that space where she didn't have to be the dancing, kind of put on the show for everyone. She could she I could really it. get back to what, mm. what she wanted and to do. And to be fair, I know I've written a memoir, but her memoir is the best oh, memoir I've ever it's read. It's amazing. Uh, the way she, it, it's written so beautifully. Yeah. The words, the prose, it's remembrance. If, if there's one memoir I think you should read, <laughs> it's, it's not poor, it's remembrance. And you know what? My mum has listened to it, which I want to do because she reads it. And my mum says it's gas because it's almost like Sinead is reading it for the first time. Yes. <laughs> and she's kind of like, oh my God, it's some of it. Did yeah. this really happen? I might do that over Christmas, That'd actually. Nice. Um, just one more thing before we kind of have a brief look ahead of the year. We're not able to cover every story of the year. It was a long year. Lots of things happened. But you wanted to talk, Katrina, about the women in Iceland on strike. Just yeah. briefly. Yeah. Just it's really interesting actually because Iceland ranks number one in terms of gender parity, and yet these these women were out on strike, um, and they strike that the strike was on the exact same day as they had a strike in 1975 to you know talk about gender inequality and the pay gap specifically and like this is my bread and butter in terms of my work is trying to ensure gender equality happens but like I just think in Ireland we need to do more like I we, we rank 11th in the world but actually if you look at our gender pay gap we're like 41st so we're really bad in terms of the work the work parity piece and I think it really really needs to be something that we focus on and companies it's great that companies now have to report so if you have a company of over 250 employees you have to a, a report and there's a brilliant bot on Twitter that if you report if you say anything about equality it will take your gender pay uh, gap and automatically ah. tweet it so it will criticise companies who claim to be equal who are not and I, I would look at companies like OnPost has been actually fantastic in the last three years one of the only big companies that have got complete yeah. parity and they've done that because there's two things that they need to do they need to have more women in, in leadership be promoting more women but be doing more for women who are in motherhoods and you know having babies and making sure that we you know we squash this it just makes women feel undervalued completely undervalued and so I really respect the women in Iceland. I respect them because they're actually number one and they're still <laughs> fighting for the fact that yeah, they, they, they have gone, this oh, difference. Yeah, they have got that now. We're no. sorted, yeah. Uh, what do you think, Alison Yeah, because Marie? it was one of the, I mean, this is a quote I saw a couple of times this year and I see that the, the Icelandic PM, um, Katrin Jacobs' daughter, she said that it's not acceptable that women around the world would have to wait 300 years for full equality. That's at the current, going at the current rate. Oh. In Ireland, uh, it's like 161 years. Yeah. So like we'd so, have to wait 161 yeah. years to get full gender equality. Yeah. So, I mean, that's quite, a, that is quite an, an extraordinary um, statistic. And and for me, it's, you're talking about looking forward. Like this is it's to do with um, so much to do with representation. Even though we're sitting here now, we're in a room with uh, five people, and four of them are female um, doing a broadcast. That is that is very unusual. So mm -hmm. and it's it's so it's also about um, making that an effort has to be. Okay, this is a women's podcast, admittedly, mm -hmm. but that if you make an effort in things like as Katrina said, with the gender pay gap, with on post getting women in senior positions. It does involve effort and not just one-off effort. No. It's, it's, it has to be kind of sustained effort. Mm. Uh, and this is something that I have for looking forward. Well, I get into that now about next yeah, year. Go yeah, about so going they we're going to have next year for an anorak like me, next year is going to be very <laughs> exciting because we have um, uh, the prospect of, we have two referendums. We are going to have local in March, local and European elections in June and the possibility of a general election. Um, oh so God, for, the, for the general general election. So up to now, quotas, it had to be 30% uh, of women on the ticket. That will move to 40%. And, you know, that there would be real financial penalty for parties if they if they were not to do that. But I do really have a concern about, I mean, we saw Jennifer Bray of this parish did magnificent work at the start of the yeah. year on what female politicians are facing, mm. the threats, yeah. the stuff and so on. I mean, all yeah. the trolling, unbelievable, having to go to the guards in fear of their own safety, installing alarms uh, and that incredible line where where some a female politician was told to wear flat shoes in case she needed to make a quick getaway <laughs> and, not, and not wear heels. And I'm a little concerned about them. Reach, there's always the danger that that they just put in can't to reach the quota. They just put in a female candidate. Um, so to say, look, we yeah. have one. My concern now is actually finding women 
uh, who are either sane enough or mad enough yeah, yeah. to run, to run just, yeah, just to add to that like I've been asked to run by three different I'm parties I'm not surprised I won't run particularly for that reason I just yeah. couldn't take the abuse that women get yeah. so look at what Helen McAtee goes through yeah. separate from the fact that I may not agree mm. with her politics but the fact the abuse she get just mm. on her agenda is just I just don't think I could ex- yeah. I couldn't take that yeah. and I've had women in politics the organisation say to me yeah. we can support you we can do this yeah. I just I, I wouldn't put myself yeah. through yeah. it can we um, run through a couple of other things mm-hmm. just very quickly so the you mentioned the referendum on women in the home and the concept of the family happening in March finally yeah. I never really actually thought it would actually happen yeah. I'm still not convinced to be honest but anyway it, it's a good thing I suppose to get that terrible thing out of women by virtue of their place in the home out it, of our constitution I tell you what it's really good for two reasons the first reason is the removing the women as the carer but the second reason I think we're forgetting is actually the structure of family and family being yeah. based on marriage yeah, like yeah. it's now they're going to include word in that it's based on yeah. uh, now it's interpreted so we just have to- Hold up What was that? Boring No flavour That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Enduring relationships is the language. So, but like lone I'm in parents, an enduring relationship yeah, between three years, not for married. lone parents, particularly <laughs> lone parents. Yeah. Uh, previous to this, have not been recognised in the constitution and cherish or one family have been working yeah. so hard mm. for this. So it is an opportunity. We really need people to vote. We really need people to go out mm. and, and and take this seriously, especially with what's happening mm. right now with the far right movement. Like you know, ensuring that women are not chained to the sink is a really important piece of. Yeah. <laughs> still talking about that but Alison let's also talk about yeah. very briefly the Paris Olympics are happening we have a load of um, female athletes Kelly Harrington in the late light welterweight division Rasadat Adelecki 200 metres and 400 metres Ellen Walsh 200 metres individual medley and loads and loads more it's great it's going to be a brilliant yeah. yeah I have um, a huge uh, one in particular athletics fan in the house um, who is so looking forward to the Olympics and I have to say I think um, Rashida Adelecki who is originally from Tala which isn't that far away from uh, from where we live is I just think she's fabulous yeah. she's such a superstar yeah. and you just get so excited at the idea that she's going to uh, you know, that she's coming up in a race. And I guess even the fact that the Olympics are on in Europe will make it seem closer to home. There won't be the crazy time, time differences, all of that. And you have to imagine that the French will, uh, will, will put on a good show. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. So lots to look forward to in 2024. And I'm sure a lot of the stories that we've mentioned um, in this podcast, we'll be watching them and continuing, especially if we think about Palestine and Gaza and everything that's going on there, because that doesn't show any sign of being resolved unfortunately uh, so far but thank you so much for joining us Katrina O'Sullivan and Alison O'Connor um, Katrina and Alison I know I'll see you loads in 2024 and look forward to that thanks for having us thank you so much for having me I really hope you enjoyed that look back over 2023. Thanks very much to Alison O'Connor and to Katrina O'Sullivan. And if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast, please leave us a review or subscribe to the podcast as it really makes a difference to us. The podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan and by me, Roisin Ingle, with JJ Vernon on sound. Talk to us on social at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. That's it from me. Have a happy new year, a peaceful 2024. We'll see you on the other side and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>